You're listening to the Fitness and Wellness Class, powered by NASM. NASM's new subscription service, NASM Connected, is the best value in fitness. When you sign up, you'll get access to everything you'll need to expand your career, master new disciplines, and stay up to date with your certification in one great package. Gain instant access to over 350 online fitness courses available anywhere, anytime, on any device. Earn CEUs for dozens of approved providers. Plus, unlock articles, webinars, videos, and podcasts from the biggest names in fitness. Don't wait. Sign up today and unlock the best content in fitness at the best price. Get connected at nasm.org connected or call one 800 460 6276. Welcome everyone. Uh, I'm Fred Hoffman and I'm pleased to have you in my session today at NASM's Optimum Virtual Conference. I'm speaking to you from Paris, France, where I live. I'm American, but I've been here for a long time. And uh, I'm really happy that you joined my session today. And we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. It's a very pertinent uh, topic, I believe, future of work in the fitness industry. And I have a lot of slides that obviously you will, if you'd like to take screen, screenshots, you can. I recommend having a pen and paper so you can take some notes as well. And we're gonna get started because the hour is going to go by fast. So I just, I will introduce myself very quickly. Uh, I am American, as I said, I've been living here 30 years. I went to school in Boston. I have a bachelor's degree in respiratory therapy and a master's in health education and ended up going into the fitness industry and making a career out of it. And I own a consulting company here in Paris, but I work internationally consulting with health clubs and companies that have programs, products, uh, in fitness and health and wellness. I also do a lot of speaking at conferences. Many are were uh, actually uh, international. So I did a lot of traveling. Hopefully I'll get back to traveling as well. And I do writing. I do a lot of different things and I've been in the industry a long time. So I'm hoping to share some of my experiences with you today as well. And what I'm going through with this new uh, situation that we're in, a lot of us, and, uh, and help some of you navigate through what the future of the industry looks like um, as uh, things go forward. So if you wanted to take a screenshot of this, you could. I do recommend, and I know some of you are already doing this, but to use social media to your advantage, especially when you're at conferences, I know that NASM would appreciate it as well. Here are some of the places where you can contact me or engage with me and engage also during this conference. And what I always say to, to participants is many times, you know, people like to know, especially your clients and your students, if you're teaching group exercise or small group training, that you're getting educated, that you're attending conferences. So it's a great opportunity. So if you wanted to take a screenshot there, you could. So today's presentation, we're gonna talk about what I call the elephant in the room. And I will talk about that in a minute. So I'm not gonna tell you what that is the current state of the fitness industry, different demographics that we're gonna be looking at, both for your customers, clients, and the workforce, technology and digital, and artificial intelligence. And within those five topics, there's a lot of information. Just so that you know, I had already proposed this 
this talk before COVID hit. And the presentation I have now readapted to the COVID era, era. But as I said in a previous presentation that I have done in previous presentations and recently, we're not going to be in COVID pandemic forever. We will be going back, many of you maybe already have, to in-house, uh, both for me, for example, for conferences and also for work. And um, right now, a lot of people have gone through a lot of changes, myself included, as I mentioned. We in France were locked down for 55 days, very, very strict lockdown. And our gyms are open, but I, we went into lockdown on the 17th of March, got out on May 11th. Our gyms in most of the, of the country opened in early June. In Paris, they opened June 15th. And I will talk a little bit more about that uh, in the presentation in the current state but I know everyone's experiencing things at different times. So I, I am going to address, again, the current situation, but also what things are going to look like, hopefully going uh, forward. And one, one thing is that often people, I, I, I get quoted a lot of times, I get asked to be quoted in, in articles for the industry, et cetera. And people have asked me previously, pre-COVID, um, so Fred, where do you see the fitness industry in 10 years? And I always say, you know, I don't even know what it's going to look like next year. And that is more true than ever now, I think, because things are so uncertain. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's negative. I, I don't want to paint a negative picture on this. I know it's been tough on a lot of people and it continues to be. And it may be for the near future. But it's also that the industry has changed so much, even pre-COVID, very rapidly. And the world has changed a lot. So... I don't think we can predict that. We have ideas where certain how things are going to be happening in the world. And that's even just talking about technology, artificial intelligence, et cetera. But uh, we can only make some assumptions about how the fitness industry is going to move forward. But I hope that I can help you today, give you some ideas of how to orient yourself and uh, to feel good about the, the future and, and what it holds for you. So we're going to get started. So the elephant in the room. Yes, that is not my apartment. I know it might look like it, but it's not. There's no elephant there. It is COVID. So what is the impact on the fitness industry? Because that's everyone. what, is, what everyone is talking about. So basically, it's affected everyone. Health clubs, fitness centers, PT classes, boot camp. I just didn't put them all here. But it's, it, you know, recreation centers, university uh, clubs, uh, gyms. Anything that has any sports related and besides everything else, besides restaurants and, and bars and all this. But in our industry, it's affected everything. And it's affected salaried staff, full-time staff, and part-time staff, and independent contractors. And um, people who own their own businesses, huge chains of clubs where some stayed open, some didn't. Some people were laid off, some weren't. Their hours were cut, etc. So it's affected everyone. And it's put everybody in a very strange place because they're not sure what the future holds. The other thing that happened, as you know, you know, is that everybody went online. And that was the first thing that I started happening. And I know that you did too. Many of you probably did it. It was interesting because everyone was asking me, colleagues and friends of mine, Fred, why aren't you doing something online? And I sat back and watched a little bit because I know that people had to. They, you know, they, they had no money coming in. And they started throwing stuff up online. And unfortunately, in the beginning, and probably some of you saw this or maybe were guilty of it, didn't look professional. Uh, they weren't sure how to reach out to people. 
And uh, sometimes I'd see people doing a live Facebook and there were only two participants, for example. But we've learned from this. And that's what I, my biggest takeaway is that we've learned from those experiences. And online obviously had already been happening before COVID. Now it happened in a big, fast learning curve. And we're continuing to learn what works, what doesn't work, et cetera. Zoom obviously learned as well when people were getting hacked, when like all of a sudden they were doing a Zoom fitness class and like a porno site would <laughs> pop up on the screen and those things happened, you know? So everybody's been learning. I actually took a, a free webinar uh, about cybersecurity. And one thing that a lot of clubs and big companies, not just in fitness, experienced that people all of a sudden were forced to go home right away. They didn't have a lot of preparation time and uh, they were using their own laptops. So they didn't have a secure connection anymore. So there was a lot of hacking. There were a lot of a lot of phishing going on, where people were a little bit more vulnerable. They didn't realize it, and uh, with unsecured networks, just a lot of stuff went on. So it's been a big learning curve. And for clubs, one thing that I know for yourself, and not just clubs, but also any kind of business in the fitness industry, is that people um, are conducting a lot of their business online. But the ones that have been able to open again, and that could be a gym, a big health club chain, a personal training studio, some of the boutique studios, cycling, martial arts, whatever it be, are now also proposing both a uh, online uh, and in-person experience. And I do believe that that is what's going to happen. The other thing is a lot of people move to out outdoor, and that's great if you are in a climate where you can do that and continue to do that. I know that that's not the case in a lot of places and it might not be conducive. There also are laws that prohibit people for, from you know, conducting classes outside in public spaces, et cetera. But this, what I call the hybrid model is what we've seen a lot of. And I do believe that that is going to continue. There are people that you know still wanna work out in a gym. There's people that are happy not as well. So let's just talk about that for a second. One thing that, we've seen in the industry, and these are statistics that have been done worldwide already on a small scale, and even from personal experience, is that members and clients, when we're talking about an in-house experience, it would be a studio, it would be clubs, that about a third of the people let their membership run out if it was time to renew, or they just said, I don't care, I'm not going back, I'm scared. A third are waiting until it's safe, quote unquote, to come back. And who knows when that could be for certain places. And a third came back as soon as it was possible. And I myself did that. I was working out. I was lucky in my, where I live, there's an outdoor courtyard with kind of a two level, these kind of uh, little garden areas that no one really uses. And there were enough stairs that I was doing my own hit training. And so I stayed in shape and then I did some online stuff here. I have a good friend who has a Pilates studio here in Paris, an American, another American in Paris. Pilates Privé, and she was inviting me to do some Pilates, which I never do, so I learned a new activity, and I'm sure people learn new stuff with you as well. And um, but I missed doing my weight training, which I didn't. I had I have a lot of small equipment here. Being in the fitness industry, and some of you as well, I'm sure you have a lot of equipment at home that worked to your advantage. That might have also helped you when you were doing your presentations to have stability ball weights, body bars, steps, whatever it be, TRX. But I wanted to go back to the gym and I did. And I was worried. And when we first went back here in France, we did not have to wear a mask inside uh, as, as a member. 
And I was uncomfortable. It was the first place I was going where I, it was the only place I stayed for any amount of time when I didn't have a mask on. Yet we had to wear masks going into stores and everywhere else uh, here. And I'm telling you this just because of my personal experience, and I know some of you are maybe experiencing this or haven't yet, or your clients and your members are experiencing these feelings. And then, unfortunately, uh, over the summer, our numbers have gone up a little bit, not much, but they've gone up, and even in the last couple of weeks. So the city of Paris and other major cities in France have now imposed a, a mandate for masks indoors. Now, when you're working out or any sports-related activities, and this may be true where your business is, you can take the mask off while you're actually doing the activity, but when you're walking around the club or moving machine to machine, you need to have it on. In my club, there are dividers between the cardio machines, so I don't wear the mask on that. We don't have to. And But I'm, when I'm working out, I do because I'm in a small club and I feel comfortable. So I'm saying this as well because it's just these things that your clients and your, your members or new clients and new members who you're going to attract may be feeling, and you yourself as well, and to know that. So know as well if you have reopened that maybe you're not seeing people come back right away. It's kind of normal. It's what we're seeing worldwide. Some people maybe never will. Some people will want to continue their workouts at home that you've been providing. Or if you haven't been providing them, you're going to want to. And we're going to talk about that as well. And um, some people, again, as soon as you open up, are going to come right back. So I took a little bit more time on the slide than I expected to. But I do think it's important because this is what's affecting us right now and is going to move us forward as we move through this pandemic and into the, the future as well. So another thing that happened, which was good, is that there was a recognition of the importance of health and wellness for people because of core comorbidities. Um, we were seeing that a lot of the people, not everyone, this is not true, because so I don't want to put any false information out there, but the people that were unhealthy, many of them just had a, a tougher time. Uh, with COVID, more deaths, et cetera. doesn't mean that healthy people can't get it and get sick. We're seeing that here in France as well. But we know that people uh, would do better with pretty much any illness if they're in better shape. So that recognition has also been uh, vital for us to be able to recruit new people or to get people to continue to do their workouts. And so when you have these new offerings where you can actually do something online virtually or take people outside, people are much more you know, open to doing that because they realize the importance of it. So people also have more access to exercise. They've got a lot more options, a lot of free options. And I know that you're all struggling with that as well. I have colleagues who weren't charging, but they were asking for donations. Some of you might be doing that. Some of you who are charging your regular fees, but then you're confronted with your clients or members saying, oh, well, so-and-so is giving this for free over here or reduced price. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on, and we're going to have to learn how to live with that and navigate through it. Also, prices have come down. I have a friend here that gives classes, and she's only charging, I think, five euros, which is about seven or eight dollars a session, because she wants to have get as many people as she can, not for her to make money, but make it accessible for people. And she's even said, if you can't afford it, you don't have to pay. So we're looking at different business models, and you need to see how you can leverage that and also see what the industry is doing. And just like you would do when you're in a facility, you're going to have to uh, market accordingly to, to show why people should pay for your, your activities, for your services, et cetera, and why you're different than someone that's just throwing something up on YouTube and uh, they're <clears throat> giving a Pilates class in their dirty kitchen, <laughs> whatever it is with kids running around. 
Um, and also people are discovering other activities. And some people, that's the reason that they're not coming back to the gym because they now said, oh, I can actually run outside. I can bike. I can you know, uh, roller skate, whatever it be. And they found other things. So we're confronted with that, but it's reality. And it might also give you other options yourself of different activities and services to, to offer. Um, virtual training, as you know, has become huge and it, it already existed, but uh, because of COVID and because of everyone going online, this has just become really big. And I'm sure that some of you are already doing that and that's going to continue. And it might be your only, the only way that you're actually uh, providing um, your classes, or it could be again, that hybrid model. So you have to determine how much you want to be on site and how much you want to be online. And that, and this is not a, a talk about marketing and communications, but just very briefly, you're going to need to make those decisions as a business. You're going to need to talk to your clients. You're going to need to talk to potential clients, see what people are looking for, and you're going to have to adapt accordingly. But I do believe that there has to be an online component. People are not just going to be coming back uh, on site. Even I know some of those people say, well, I have a uh, an aging population that's not really online and everything. Well, a lot of people during this pandemic have learned, again, a very you know large learning curve, um, how to be able to communicate because they've had to with their family, doctors, uh, et cetera. So what's the future of work and fitness? What's next? Well, we're going to start with who is the future. So one thing that's already been happening, and this is going to pertain to both uh, if you're thinking in-house or in-facility, as well as online. You've got an aging population that still wants to stay active and stay healthy. The millennials and Gen Z, or Z as we say here in Europe, and then the Generation Alpha, which is following them. People are look, looking for different things. They have different uh, finances, etc., and you're going to need to adapt to them accordingly. Medical referrals, we have a lot of people that are unhealthy. And as you know, especially in the United States, there's, a, and it's not just the United States, it's the world is a growing obesity problem. So we're gonna have more connection with doctors and hospitals and medical referrals, and also attacking the obesity problem. Whoops, sorry, I hit my thing a little too. Oh no, I guess I didn't. Um, so just really quickly, we're gonna look at just some of the generations and talk about them right after. So it gives you an idea of the age we're talking about the silent generation. You still have people again, age, you know, if you look at the bottom of that, of that little chart there, 74 to 91. And the aging population is one of the largest demographics right now. And the world is changing in such that people are working, are living longer, are working longer, and they have to look at what they need for housing. Governments are changing their approach to all this. It's just the reality of what's happening worldwide. So in the fitness industry also, we're seeing people who are coming to the gyms or, or wanting to stay healthy at, a, at an older age and also in the workforce. And so that elder generation, you're still going to be seeing a lot of people there and you need to target to them. Baby boomers, which is in my age group, same thing. And baby boomers have a lot of money. So they're going to continue to work out and want to work out. Gen X, right under, they're going to be part of the workforce. And you'll see that in another slide coming up. What they like, what they don't like. And millennials and, and Gen Z, which I'll talk about in a minute as well. You need to know how to address this. And the reason I say this is I actually do a talk on managing multi-generational staff. And, and the generations, it's not just when they were born and the things they grew up with, but it's also 
what makes them tick. So sometimes the activities that a baby boomer would like um, are not are not attractive to someone who is a millennial or who is a Gen Z, Z. So you just need to know also what are your offerings, who is your target market, and uh, adjust accordingly because it might not be a one size fits all. So the silent generation, baby boomers and Gen X, just like I said, they're going to continue to work out. They have money. For example, here's some advertising from ICAA. It's the International Council on Active Aging. Some friends of mine actually that own this organization based in Canada. But it's, again, products and services specifically designed and marketed to them. And I like this because it says, stop calling me senior if you want my business. I technically, uh, on paper, am a senior. I cannot relate to that. And I know I don't look like it, so... Um, maybe I do, maybe today I do. Um, but I don't, I don't want to be treated like someone who's frail and, uh, can't do a lot of things. And most a lot of seniors aren't, but that's that image that we have of a senior citizen, the older, the aging. So you need to really look at who you're targeting. You might target those more frail people, but then you need to be specific again in what you're offering them, but they're there and you're going to still be working with them. And millennials, are also a, a huge uh, demographic, and they're also going to be a huge demographic for your workforce. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. As you see from that photo, everything is online, everyone's connected, and the same with uh, Gen Generation Z and Alphas. From now on, it's pretty much just a connected population and generations. A little different than the older, but most people who are Gen X baby boomers and a lot of the silent generation are also connected, but not as much as, I mean, a lot of them are, but I'd say here is when it's just basically native digital people, as you know, and Gen Z as well. So Gen Z is obviously as the years move on, you're getting older, they're coming into the workforce, uh, et cetera. So quickly, I just want to touch on medical referrals because um, more and more we're seeing that hospitals are opening up fitness centers and they are, or uh, fitness centers who are not a hospital based are working directly with doctors. There's a lot of insurance based programs, et cetera. So there's a lot to look at as we go forward and you need to tap into this because I believe, especially in the States, I mean, every country is very different, but even here in France, where we have more of a socialized medicine, <gasps> I said social, social medicine. Uh, socialized. We, uh, but I like our our system here. It's very good. Um, a lot of we're also starting to have some um, medical referral programs as well. So you want to look into that and see how it's going to work for your business as you move forward as well. Collaborating with doctors again, great because a lot of times they might also have a team where they might have a dietitian, a nutritionist. Uh, physical therapist, et cetera, who you can work with. So this is going to be a big area that we're going to see uh, as we move forward. The obesity problem, it's a modern problem. As we know, people are just getting fatter. And one of my pet peeves is that uh, in the fitness industry, because I've been in the industry a long time, as I said, you go to conferences and many times at a keynote, they're talking about the growing obesity problem. And then you go to a conference five years later and they're growing up. And I want to stand up and scream and say, well, the problem is still there, and obviously we're not doing a good job. Not that I have all the answers. I don't. But I think as, as an industry, we need to make a change because we're just seeing this happening. And it's not just one thing. It's not just exercise. It's not just nutrition. And you all know that. 
but the problem exists. So this is an area, if you have interest in this, you might already be working with obese people or obese prevention programs, but this is really an area that is going to continue, especially, um, again, going back to the COVID situation where we see that people realize comorbidity, you know, when they had different problems, and especially obese people, were more likely to, if they did get COVID, to be sicker, possibly die, et cetera. Um, I mentioned that I was a, I, I have a bachelor's degree in respiratory therapy. And it was interesting because I don't practice any, that anymore. But with COVID, respiratory therapists are very, you know, uh, an integral part of the team. And I was thinking about it because I was seeing how some of the patients who were on respirators, I know what it's like when you have a team that needs to lift a patient, turn a patient. And as you saw, a lot of times they were turning people on their stomachs so that they get their lungs uh, from, you know, from gravity up. That was something that didn't exist when I was a respiratory therapy respiratory therapist. They never did that. But the reason I'm telling you this is that it makes it harder for everyone. And also some of your, your healthcare workers are obese. So it's just something we need to, to tap into. Um, here, let me move forward and I'll, I'll continue this conversation. So there are obesity prevention programs. And if there aren't some in your area, you could always create one or you could uh, propose working with uh, an obese population as well. And uh, as you'll see in the next couple of slides, also we're looking at uh, childhood obesity. So that's a huge problem. And I know these photos are probably the extreme, but it does exist. This is not a, a body shaming. It's the reality. It's for this particular presentation. Um, but it's just a reality. And we need to be aware of it. And this is happening worldwide. Again, it is not just a phenomenon that's happening in the States. So there are a lot of weight loss programs for child obese, childhood obesity. And these are just a couple of screenshots of things that exist. But you could think about working with them if you're interested in working with kids or working with families where you uh, are able to do maybe personal training or group training with family and then have kids activities as well. So looking to some of the areas that are going to continue, regardless if you're online or not, um, these are some of the areas. And I just remembered, I wanted to mention one thing. I noticed that when I was in lockdown, if you want to say, we call it confinement here, and we couldn't go out more than one hour a day for physical activity. And um, I, I work from home, but because I usually do a lot of traveling for my consulting work, as well as my conferences, I found myself being so sedentary, sitting more than I ever do. And a lot of it in front of the computer. And then, of course, you know, watching Netflix or whatever. And it wasn't a problem for me to be home. Like I know a lot of people, it was when they went from an office setting back to home because I work from home. But being home and not being able to go out to go to the gym, not being able to go out and see friends and have social, you know, things going on. And I realized I was so much more sedentary. So you're also seeing obese people in this pandemic being, you know, also more sedentary. So it's a market that you can tap into. And it's something to think about since we're going online more and we're going to be online, that you may be able to get to a demographic that you weren't able to before who didn't want to come into the gym, who didn't feel comfortable, you know, walking in and, and, and putting on gym clothes or whatever, but they feel comfortable in the safety of their own home. So I want to address also a change in workforce demographic, and that's why I put this up. So if you look up there where I underline workforce, just to let you know also 
adding in Gen Z here, where you can see what the age groups are. And the workforce going forward now for the next 30 years is going to be pretty much Gen X and then primarily millennials and Gen Z. So you all who are in those categories, and it could be any of them, have to realize where you're going to fit in here and the opportunities you're going to have. The other thing is you're going to need to, to remember, okay, I'm a Gen Z, but I want to get to a management position. How am I going to, who am I going to work with to get to that place? Or the opposite, you might get hired as a millennial in a management position, but you're dealing with an older generation that's still in the workplace. So I bring this up just because who is in the workplace right now? There's five distinct, distinct generations, but it's going to change as we move forward. And they're influenced by different things. And it's something for you to be aware of, because when you're working in this environment where you have different generations and people, one, are turned on by different things or they have their skills are different, especially with technology, uh, you might be presenting things differently. You can't make an assumption doing something online or with an app or with the Apple Watch or whatever with someone who's older if they don't have those skills and technology as digital natives do. So I just like to put that up for that reason. And the labor force, I just, this is a quick screenshot. Um, you'll see where it's 2030 that the majority, again, are going to be um, uh, millennials uh, and, and, Gen, and Gen Z. So baby boomers, you're not going to see as much. You'll see the ending of the Gen X. But it's just going to change. And there are a lot of opportunities for all of you who are in those younger categories as well. So what is the future? What really is the future? So I'm going to go through a whole bunch of different things just to give you some ideas. One is basically people are still looking at wellness. I put this screenshot up. Without, I'm not going into a lot of detail. And sometimes you'll see six dimensions of wellness. Sometimes you'll see seven. Sometimes you'll see eight. But a lot of times people are now looking for someone that can provide a lot of different things and not just the physical activity. So you might want to see one if you're capable of doing some of these other things or get training in other areas or develop a team or a network of people that can you can refer a client to say, okay, I can do the physical part, I can do some of the nutritional part, but I've got a spiritual person or I've got a financial you know, person I can help you with. But people are looking for this more and more. And if they trust you as a trainer, a lot of times they'll trust you also to send them to other people for advice or if you have a team. So wellness is a, is a big area to think about as opposed to just one, you know, physical activity or just personal training or just group exercise. Um, in wellness, you're seeing more of health coaching, wellness or lifestyle coaching happening. And again, a lot of times you need to do a certification for that, or you need to, uh, again, be in a team or, 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 work, or work in a referral system where you've got people that can do that. And I put wellness assessments just because what you're seeing sometimes as opposed to just a physical assessment uh, trainers are giving a wellness assessment so that you can see the different areas of people's lives where they need, you know, where they're strong, where they're weak, where they might need help. Because the other thing that I always talk about as a personal trainer is that a lot of times the approach people think is just from physical or even for that matter, uh, nutritional, but there's a, many times a psychological factor behind that, why people do things they do, why they don't lose weight, why they eat at certain times. Uh, what activities they like, they don't like. And I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist, and I can only be so much of that with someone. But you need to also understand how to get people engaged, 
And these are things that I'm sure a lot of you know, you experience, but just again, to think about why you might seek out a health coaching or wellness coaching uh, career or path. So um, this is in French, uh, and I'm just going to talk to you about this really quickly. I'll explain what it says. First of all, Chez Simon is a place here in Paris. And what it says in French here, is it says it's basically we're a, a, a sports club, we're an organic restaurant, we're a place for co-working. It's a place where you cast it, they could. It's like where, you know, you kind of let your hair down, things are okay, where you can uh, express yourself, you can have an exchange of ideas, create, share. It's a global experience. So you move well, you eat well, and you live well. There's no taboos. We'll answer all your questions. There's a, a choice of products and activities and uh, people listening to your ideas. And it says, welcome to the apartment where everything goes well. And I put this up because, you know, sometimes the French have a bad rap and everything's so just drinking wine and smoking cigarettes and that still exists. But um, they're doing a lot of cool things. And so this is what it looks like. It doesn't look like a typical gym or health center or fitness center, but you can see like the TRX straps, you've got good food, you've got an area where for there was like a women's networking group, you've got a, a, an area for relaxation and massage and et cetera. So you're seeing more and more of these things. And I know in the States it's happening, in Europe it's happening a lot. And not everybody is inclined to go to a health club or a fitness center. And so when you have these things to propose, then it makes it, you know, uh, how can I say you, you can, you can get to a lot more people than you might someone who's just looking for one thing, one activity at a uh, fitness center. This was another one called slow and it's just the same type thing where they have a room that looks more like a gym where you can also do group classes. They have healthy eating. They have like a co-working space. They sell products like soaps and, and spa things as well. And they have a little uh, cooking area. Sometimes they hold cooking classes there. And then I thought, you know, this is another thing that we're seeing, and not just here in France, but this was actually in the States, where you're seeing co-working fitness spaces. So co-working uh, co-ops are huge everywhere. They're huge here in France, and I know in the States there as well. So it's a great idea where people can, you know, go to a co-working space, and then also their gym is right there, and they can work out. So you're going to see more and more of these. And so there are opportunities for you to think about these type of things in maybe your business right now, how you could now maybe if you have some space, make an area where someone could also, if they wanted to come in and spend the morning there, do some you know, of their, their work or get out of their house, but they're still kind of at the gym or, or at their workout space. So home gyms are going to be bigger as well. So this is something to think about, both from the standpoint of maybe getting your clients to have a home gym, uh, partnering with people who, companies that are selling home gym equipment, I do a little bit of consulting myself, right? I haven't in a while, but I might start this again. I'm saying it now to you as I'm, as I'm presenting this, where I do consulting on how to set up a home gym. And um, because people don't necessarily want to go back to a, a facility, the people that might have the space might have the money uh, or maybe already had one, but they were, weren't really using it that much. Maybe now it's going to be more useful to them. So it's something to think about how you could work, or maybe even you could go to their home gym if, People are allowing people to go to their homes, et cetera. So it's going to be bigger. It's already existed, as you know, but I think that this is going to be something we're going to see as we go forward. Uh, low cost and affordable gyms. Again, that's been from a changing economy and it's going to continue. 
especially now since people don't have a lot of money, people have lost their jobs, and uh, it's a change of demographic as well. Younger people who maybe don't have as much money aren't looking for the same type of workouts. On the left, this Keep Cool is a chain of clubs here in France that I did some, some consulting work with. I'm just going to tell you this really quickly. They uh, did really well because they didn't have group exercises. We know it in a big room, but they had small little cubicles. They could fit like three or four people. And they had a kiosk where you could choose like a 30-minute abs class or a 20-minute uh, boxing workout or something like that. And you could just go in and choose your own video and work out there. And people would say to me, yeah, but they're missing the whole group exercise thing, the, 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 the dynamic. And I said, yeah, but these are people that never experienced that before. And they don't have an expectation of a high-powered instructor that's really well-known and the big group dynamics. So you need to think about also the people that maybe haven't been coming to gyms or fitness centers or personal training studios or boutique clubs. That's who you want to target. And they may be driven more by uh, low cost. Reason low cost work most of them are set up so there's no initiation fee. You know, it's easy to join. It's within the budget. They can come anytime. Many of them are open 24 hours. They're for everybody. There's no expectations that it's only for people who are in shape. Um, there are on-demand classes, like I just explained to you. They're available all day. A lot of them now are coming in, and you don't even have to uh, actually speak with somebody at the front desk. It's all done with a magnetic card. Even these clubs in Paris, these keep cool. You actually open the club door you know on its own there's no one there at certain hours just certain of the hours there are but um it's an interesting phenomenon and i know that they've opened up in many different places in the world i know they're in the states but it's still i do believe going to continue also the aggregators like ClassPass, as you can see i put this arrow just for a couple of the brands and this is a new screenshot because i have done presentations about them as well they are changing what they're doing but ClassPass and any of these aggregators where you can uh, have the opportunity to go to different clubs or different facilities or different activities uh, are going to continue. And they've had to change their mod, mod, sorry, their model. And they are also moving into virtual. For example, Gym Pass, the same thing, stay active and well wherever you are. So you see that this is a newer um, uh, screenshot of their website. And they're worldwide. We have Gym Pass here. I know people from Gym Pass in, in France. And uh, again, it's from wherever you are. So you could be home and be doing things. And here's an example where they're looking at wellness, like I had said, and then online classes with your favorite instructors, gyms, et cetera. So they've had to change the model. They've done it quickly and they're going to be here. And again, we're going to get out of this pandemic. So just know that um, eventually things like the subscriptions and aggregators like ClassPass are going to be continuing. Um, Again, this is uh, the other screenshot that I want to show you. Again, they're online fitness and wellness partners who they've teamed up with. And uh, since everyone else is going online, then a lot of these relationships between these aggregators and the clubs and the sports uh, have had to continue and, and will continue as well. Electrostimulation, I just put this up because these I know have now just been uh, okayed by the FDA in the States, but they're huge here in France. They're very small facilities they have become very popular and what people like is that sometimes they only have to do a 10-minute workout or a 20-minute workout and only have to go once a week or twice a week so that's attractive to people who don't want to go into a big box gym and be around of a lot of people etc so it's another thing to look into and it's been huge here and i never thought it would work but it definitely is here's another uh, example this one in french and of course it says here come and test it out free 
and they're giving, you know, uh, free sessions. And then the, the second arrow in the middle says the um, anti-sports, anti, it's another word that's not a, a health club. It's something different. They want to propose a different thing. So it's making people think like, oh, I don't really want to go into the health club, but oh, I'd go in here. And if you even look at how they've designed it, it's very attractive. And then on the bottom, it's again, a free trial. So people are giving things for free. They're getting people in. In-store classes like Lululemon proposing things. This is another thing. So you need to team up with some of these stores. Maybe for advertising, you can give a, a free class. Uh, not all the time, but to, to, to get some inroads. And they're your competition as well. Here's an example. I put this in in French. It's called the uh, a pause of wellness. And this was from Orange, who is my phone company. And I got an email uh, that then I clicked on it and they at the store that sells all of the electronic stuff for orange, if it be your cell phone or your you know computers or you know the, the internet, anything that they have there, now they're actually offering uh, in-store classes and it was a marketing ploy, but they were for free. So the, those four things you're seeing on the screen right here were just different dates. And you could choose whichever you want. And the other arrow going down was where it was where it was located in Paris, not far from where I live. And they're for free. And it's my it's my phone company. I mean, it has nothing to do with fitness. But then, the, this is what people are doing. It's a competition for you. But it's, if you know it, then you should be able to work it to your advantage too, and see maybe you could work with them. And if you know that a company like Orange or Verizon, whoever it is in the states or other countries, I don't want to just leave out the states. Um, offer your services and maybe you could be one of those people giving the classes and tap into a whole new uh, network and, and uh, uh, population. These, have, some of you may have gone to these called Daybreaker. Um, this was, uh, I don't know if you can see the, uh, the fine print here, but this is something I discovered, discovered here and it is international, but basically um, I'm going to put my glasses on because even I can't read this, but I, I know what it is. It's some people, instead of hitting the gym, we hit the dance floor. That's it. That's their slogan. And basically it's people and they're not even fitness people. It's six o'clock in the morning, six to seven. They have a yoga class somewhere. And then from seven to nine, you just dance and they hold them once a month in different cities all over the world. And it's a People from all over the place, uh, even one of my friends, uh, to a couple, they bring their kid. And then they've taken one of them, the father left early and he took the kids to, to, to school. So it's a great way to meet people. It's a great wake up. It's not a gym. It's not meant to be a fitness thing. But I'm showing this because, for example, the six to seven uh, slot was a yoga person. So you are you also have these opportunities to team up with people like this and network with them and also uh, see some more opportunities. And these are things that people are looking for. So when we think about what's working in the future for fitness, some of this might be it. It's not going to be your traditional model. Here's just a couple more screenshots. Um, again, I, the arrow is just pointing to the dance party. You can see it says pre-chauffe. That means the pre-warm-up and the six to seven, I know, is always a yoga class. And then this one is recent. And I took a screenshot just to show you because it says Saturday summer send-off. This was one in the States and it was for this past week or this coming weekend. So it was, uh, you know, they're, they're happening and they're doing virtual events now. So you can see that one is an online event and all during the confinement, the lockdown here in France, we had online events for daybreakers. They're really fun. Um, so I'm going to talk right now, the last 20 minutes. So no, how are we doing for time? We're doing, uh, yeah, we're doing pretty good for time. Oh, great. I thought it was not doing too good. 
talking fast. So now we're going to move into a different direction here. Talking about work for the future, um, we need to um, talk about technology and digital because that is the future of everything. And actually, I'm looking at my time and it's shorter than I thought, so we'll get it all in. Um, technology and digital has changed everything. And that's why when I told you earlier, when someone said to me, what's the fitness industry going to be like in 10 years? And I said, I don't know. Look how quickly it's changed in the last couple of years. So we're going to focus on this. I'm going to go through this relatively quickly, but I know that you have time to go back and look at all this. And some of these are things that you already know about. The rules have changed. This was a net pulse. And um, what I like is that basically that arrow is pointing to what everyone says. We're in a connected world. We want things simple, fast, and accessible 24-7, anywhere, anytime, any device. And that's basically what we need to think about. And that's the way it's going, and that's not going to change. And um, here I just did a screenshot. You can see the date on this. It's just from a couple days ago. It's a report I got. Europe, Europe Active is an organization here in Europe. Um, it's a member organization that came out with a report. And the main thing, as you can see, was digital skills are crucial in upskilling the fitness workforce of the future. And it's that simple. So if you're not feeling comfortable in some areas, then you need to do it. I mean, even for me to set up today uh, to do this um, talk with you, I had to set up I'm in you know, the luxury of my home in Paris. And I'm talking with the crew in, and thank you guys again, in California. And this equipment was delivered from London two days ago. So it is all possible. And um, you're lucky you're not seeing the front of my desk because it's a real mess. But you need to learn this. And I learned big learning curve today, just setting up some of this stuff. I'm a smart guy. You're all smart. You just need to learn to do some of it. But you cannot no longer um, say, oh, I don't really want to know how to use Zoom or some of these platforms. You need to learn how they work. Um, all things mobile. Again, things are going mobile. So any of your platforms or anything that you're using needs to make, make sure if you're creating a website, if you're creating an app, that they are going to be uh, mobile friendly and that everyone can use it properly. And again, you know, we're still in that place where if you're on an Android, you're on an Apple, they don't, they're not always compatible, but that I think will, I think this COVID thing is also going to help all that move forward as well and, and kind of make things a little bit more uniform. I put this uh, screenshot in because what I want to remind all of you is that you're not always talking when we're talking about mobile, the younger generation. We're not talking about just millennials and Gen Z. We are also talking about uh, seniors and uh, the silent generation and baby boomers. So they're into it just as much as anyone else. So don't forget you can target them on mobile as well and make it accessible. All kinds of podcasts and webinars. I don't know about you, but I've been taking so much free stuff. Uh, a lot of it really good. Some things were really not great. A little waste of my time, but I've learned from them. And these are things that you can also propose. And I know going forward, this is still going to continue. Education is going to continue forever. And it's just the way that education is being diffused is changing. And as you know, right now, there's a big push to get kids back in school, university students back in school. I like going to live events as well. But in the interim, you've got, you know, the possibility of doing it um, online, virtually, and also because of COVID and how COVID is changing globally and there's certain areas that they moved out and other people are now getting hard hit, we might have a second wave. You need to be able to 
juggle all this and just know that webinars and, and podcasts and webcasts are, are the wave of the future. So keep that in mind as well. Online, uh, sorry, on demand and live streaming, those have already existed. They're getting bigger. Some of those are standalone where people are just going to do them. They're not tied into a club. And then, of course, you're going to have clubs that are doing their own live streaming on demand. They might be charging for it or they, it might be included in a membership. And that's something that you need to also decide as well. Peloton was one of the big ones. I just did this as a screenshot, fitness at your fingertips. And companies like Peloton are going to be continuing, as you know. Um, and I just, this screenshot, I mean, I, I think you can see the date on this, but this was just from August. Uh, I saw this article about uh, Apple. It's rumored that they're going to be launching a new fitness service. So you're going to be seeing more and more of these. It'll be on your Apple Watch. Uh, you're going to see other companies as well. I'm sure Google is going to be doing something. So... Um, you need to think about that, one, because of your competition, two, because maybe you can get involved with it. So it's moving that way. And it's also in terms of your competition, knowing how if someone say, no, I can now get all my videos and everything here on my iWatch, on my, my, iWatch, my Apple Watch, uh, why would I come back to your club? Why would I come back to your studio? So you're going to be confronted with that. You need to think about how you're going to market it and, and maybe be able to team up or offer two things, uh, both the in-house and the uh, the online as well. The mirror, I know you've heard of uh, many of you. Um, again, people are doing things in home. It's still expensive. Tonal as well. And if you're not familiar with these, check them out. But right now they're, you know, it's, it's, it's an expensive product, but people are just, they need a mirror. And then Tonal has this extra piece of equipment you can take on. They've got their programs. They've got a community. They've got the, the, the trainer encouraging them. And you're going to see more and more of this. So tie in with some of those companies, or if your client has it, work with them, or maybe encourage them to, to get one and you can still, still be doing personal training, et cetera. Um, Tonal actually teamed up with Four Seasons Hotel, and a lot of these companies are gonna be doing that. So that's another thing to think about because if before you were saying, well, listen, I can train you when you're on your vacation or when you're traveling for work. Well, now some of these hotels have gotten smart and they're putting this stuff in. So be aware of it. And think about that as you move forward, all of these possibilities, those options, like I mentioned earlier about uh, what your clients and potential clients have, how are you going to compete with that? How are you going to market what you're doing and why do you stand out? Uh, and, and why would people come to you or continue with you as well? Million smartphone apps. I'm not going to stand that because you all know that a lot of them are free, some of them have a paid in option afterwards. Tracking devices that are also tied into apps that are also tied into uh, um, different workout programs. I hope some of you are using those. You should. That way you're all, you also can connect with your, your clients and be in touch with them remotely. Um, smart watches, just like I mentioned, that's going to be huge. Uh, Apple Watch is just moving at a rapid pace, not just only them. Virtual reality, and that's going to be a really big thing as well. It's already happening. I know here in France, they're using virtual reality as well for uh, physical therapy. I've seen the applications of it and more and more people are, are using virtual reality. And during COVID, more and more people started doing that. They're finding like the gaming aspect and the fun aspect of it. Um, they, they want it to be, you know, have distractions if you want. Someone like myself, 
probably not as much because I work from home and I'm not stuck in an office all day and I can go out. But someone who went from being in an office eight hours a day and then just going to the gym and then all of a sudden now they're forced to come home and work out on their own um, or nap, this gives a whole different dimension. And if you haven't tried virtual reality, not just for um, yourself, uh, for, for like entertainment, um, try some of these fitness programs. And if you haven't tried it at all, try some of it, even if it's just for entertainment, because it's pretty cool. And uh, it is going to be part of future. And it is going to be used a lot in rehab and physical therapy as well. So just so you know that. And continuing on that, here was just an article, um, you know, how to get in shape in, uh, you know, using virtual reality. Um, and that's more and more articles like that. And I saw these with COVID as well. For example, um, well, this is one thing. Uh, this was an article. I posted this. Uh, sorry, I included this on top of it because what some of these studies were showing that people, even though they were getting a really good workout, it says without effort, but that doesn't mean that they weren't actually making an effort. It didn't feel it was it was feeling effortless. So there was the fun component of it, but they were still getting a really good workout. And that's something to think about as well. And it might be an option for some of your clients to do that and encourage them to do that once or twice a week for good cardio, whatever. And then they meet up with you again, either virtually or in-house. And um, this was just an article about COVID. It says, if I weren't for, if it weren't for virtual reality games, I wouldn't be getting exercise right now. And it was someone that decided to try out all these virtual reality games during COVID got hooked on them, but was also getting workouts. So it's just something to consider and it's going to continue that way as well. And then will virtual reality gyms let us work out in the pandemic? And there's a lot of them that already exist here and they're more, mostly for just gaming and entertainment, but there's gonna be more of those opening up. So think about it, learn about it, see maybe if you can team up with some of these, but this is going to continue and only going to continue to be enhanced. And this last part of the, of the um, presentation on artificial intelligence ties into some of this because it's not exactly the same thing, but artificial intelligence intelligence is being used in so many different ways. And you need to, I, my recommendation for the future of work in any area, but especially also uh, in fitness is to see where it's going with artificial intelligence. And I'm going to make one blanket statement about this. Well, here, let me put up the definition first. So the theory and development of computer systems able to perform tasks that normally require human intelligence, such as visual perception, speech recognition, decision-making, translation between languages. It's all of these things right here. It's Uber, it's you know everything on your phone, Siri, uh, Alexa, photo recognition, digital payment, Snapchat, the, the filter, it's not just Snapchat, any of the animated filters, text into emojis, Google Maps, it's driverless cars, it's on and on and on and on and on. And this has already existed. So when I sometimes at a conference say, how many of you are using artificial intelligence? People, hands don't go up. And I say, well, how many of you are using, you know, uh, Google Maps? And I'm like, well, that's artificial intelligence. So the reason I'm saying is, is that one thing we're hearing is that robots are going to take over the world and they're going to eliminate all these jobs and no one's going to have a job because everything's going to be automated, et cetera. Well, that's actually false. There will be some jobs eliminated, but there's going to be a lot of more jobs created. And we're going to learn how to live with automation and we're going to learn how to live with robots and we're going to learn how to live with artificial intelligence. And there's always going to be a human aspect of that. So keep that in mind. And just as I go through these next slides, you'll see some of the opportunities you might have with artificial intelligence. And here's again, what I just said, it's the human interaction with the robot if you, if you want. 
Here was just something that I did a screenshot of to show you how um, uh, artificial intelligence is helping to solve problems and how right now in 2020, and this screenshot might have even been from a year ago uh, or from a, uh, an article a year ago, is it's being used for cybersecurity, diseases, clean energy, finance, global education, health, well-being, as you see there, climate change, income inequality, gender inequality, in so many different areas. And that's why if you look at me like, well, how are they using artificial intelligence for income inequality? You need to start doing some research. This is something I recommend to everyone. Uh, as a baby boomer, I'm really fascinated by this stuff, but it's also changing my outlook on how things are going to be moving forward in my industry and in the world as well. Digital assistants are fueling the first wave of artificial intelligence adoption. And those are those little chatbots, those little helpers that you see on websites that everyone's using. And I recommend for those of you, I, I use an iPhone. Um, if you're using an iPhone, not, sorry, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's on uh, Facebook, excuse me, but I do use an iPhone. If you're on Facebook, some of you who are still on Facebook, there's a little icon at the bottom of the corner on your mobile phone. And if you click on that, it's like thousands and thousands of chatbots. Those virtual assistants, some people don't even know it. They're like, when they click on it, it's like, oh my God, what is this? You can do everything. You can order food. You can get educated. You can make plane reservations, hotel reservations. You can get a workout, et cetera. And I'm going to show you that um, just a minute. I've just got a few more minutes. Chatbots, again, a computer program that simulates human conversation in its natural format through voice or text using artificial intelligence. Sometimes I'm chatting with a, with a um, chatbot. I'm not sure if it's a real person or not. They've learned uh, how to communicate. And so chatbots, sometimes you think you're talking with someone, but it's actually not. And other times you might be talking with someone, but then they also have a, a, a automated program or vice versa where you'll be automated and then it's going to direct you to a real person. So that's the way things are going. And again, there's those little virtual assistants that are on all websites, on, on all apps right now, and they should be on your businesses as well. Here's just an example. What if your personal trainer was a chatbot? And what I did is I did a quick search one day, and this is from back. If you look at the top of this, of each of the screens where it says 17, 19, 17, 21, so that's in military time here in France. So it was 5, 19 in the evening, 5, 21. So you see in real time, and I was just clicking and this daily Fitbot gives me a workout and uh, a daily workout and says it's a messenger chatbot that sends daily fitness workouts that don't require a gym. Each workout is optimized to be efficient and effective. It personalized it. If you see in the, the message that's on your right, hi, Fred, it already personalized it to me, which is what we want to do, personalize things. I'm a daily Fitbot, blah, blah, blah. At the bottom, it says I can, uh, one, I also work with uh, some of the best brands. It said that it was specializing in HIIT training. And as I continue here, when it says I work with some of the best brands, then if I wanted to connect with them, getting discounts, it said tap the button above. So the middle one where the arrow is, I did that. And then I had this menu of the main menu, the workout, the more deals. And I said, you know, or, or cool bots. And I opted for more cool bots. And it just went on and on. And so not only was it giving me my workout, but it was all, and it was doing it daily and it was giving me reminders and all that, but it gave me discounts and it gave me tips. And then of course, as I went on, it connected me with my social media or with social media. So, you know, I'm so happy you discovered me, blah, blah, blah. So these are the things that you need to know exist. One, they're your competition and they're also how you could possibly um, take advantage of them as well. And just start looking up chatbots, look up fitness chatbots or fitbots. And there's, 
all these four many different different um, parts of our profession. So our hour is up, which is unbelievable to me. And I know I gave you a lot of information, but you at least have access to this afterwards. The future is bright. That is what I want to end on. Um, and this is what if, how the future is bright for the pandemic gen generation. I didn't talk about the pandemic generation, but talking about generational issues, probably people in the future will refer to this as the pan pan people that grew up, were born and grew up in the pandemic generation. But the future is bright, everyone. And you have a lot of opportunities um, as we move forward. So I know a lot of you are going through a tough time. And I want to, again, end on a positive note because I do think uh, we're going to go get through it. We're all going to work together. It's changing the industry, but the industry is going to continue. It's just going to morph and it will anyway, even if COVID didn't happen, it would. So again, the elephant in the room was everything we talked about with COVID, the current state of the fitness industry, one third, one third, one third, aren't coming back, coming back when they feel safe or came back right away. Look at your different, different demographics that exist. Um, you need to get up to speed on all that is technology and digital, learn about it, artificial intelligence, chatbots, learn, learn, learn is my last message with this. And as I leave you, you've got my uh, contacts here again. I want to thank NASM again for inviting me to speak at this conference. Thank you for attending my session. I hope you have a fantastic time at the rest of your conference, and I hope to see you in person somewhere soon. And if I can be of any help, please contact me here. Take care.